What, if anything, does the God of the Bible have to say about America? Total solar eclipses, destructive hurricanes, floods, wildfires, mudslides, mass murders, sexual assault, rape, lies, corruption, disregard for law and authority, and on and on. Is there a message for America in the heavens? I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Heaven's Admonition for America Like most Americans, I was intrigued by the coming solar eclipse, which swept exclusively across this nation this past August. From the West Coast to the East Coast, portions of the United States was about to be blocked out from the sun's daylight for a good portion of the day, and I wanted to know why. A total solar eclipse is not possible to be witnessed anywhere in the galaxy except for the people of Earth. This is because the sun just happens to be 400 times larger in diameter than the moon, and the sun also just happens to be 400 times farther away than the moon. This simply means there are times when the moon can perfectly cover the sun from our view due to the incredibly precise mathematical equations at work here. Boy, what a coincidence. My interest was admittedly prematurely aroused by the recent appearances of what most describe as the blood moons. This was a series of four consecutive lunar eclipses that appeared distinctly on Jewish holidays between April 2014 to September of 2015. The pinpoint specificity of the Hebrew calendar feast coinciding with these extremely rare stellar occurrences certainly grabbed my attention. I had to consider the possibility that this just may be orchestrated by supernatural guidance. There are numerous examples throughout the Bible of cosmic signs, such as the illumination of the Star of Bethlehem announcing the arrival of heaven's king, Matthew 2, 1-9, or the Lord listening to and granting the request of a man by actually stopping the sun from going down for a full day, Joshua ten thirteen. not to mention throwing down large hailstones from heaven all in order to avenge Israel's enemies. Joshua 10.10 I would be remiss if I excluded perhaps the most spectacular astronomical event ever recorded, which is the creation of life itself, as recorded in the first book of the Hebrew Pentateuch, otherwise known to most as Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 also pointed out something else worth noting right smack in the middle of Elohim's creative masterpiece on just his fourth day of work. Verse 14 states, And Elohim, God, said, Let lights come to be in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for appointed times, and for days and years. Appointed times or seasons is translated in Hebrew as moedims, which refers to the feasts of the Lord, such as the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles, which we observe during the blood moons of 2014 to 2015. 
a modern-day interpretation of this scripture, seemingly glides over signs and appointed times, or feasts of the Lord, but instead only implies the sun and the moon are created solely for tracking days, months, and years in our modern-day calendars. Interestingly, Yeshua's Hebrew disciples came to him separately as described in Matthew 24.3 and asked, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? But that's a whole other topic, perhaps for another season. Pun intended. Now that I understand the Lord will at times guide the sun and the moon in order to offer man a glimpse into his thinking, I decided to dig a little deeper into this American solar eclipse. The first observation is day will become dark during this eclipse only in America. No other nation on earth. Although it begins and ends in our oceans, it travels from Oregon to South Carolina in a slow descending arc. We are now coming close to six months since this sunlight was temporarily removed throughout America on August 17th. A look at some of the major events that followed may require some provocative analysis. The first one was Hurricane Harvey. It hit Texas eight days after the U.S. solar eclipse. Harvey made landfall three separate times in six days, leaving 83 people dead in its wake. At its peak on September 1, 2017, one-third of Houston was underwater. Two feet of rain fell in the first 24 hours. Flooding forced 39,000 people out of their homes and into shelters. Convention centers and arenas were set up as makeshift shelters throughout the state. The storm dropped 33 trillion gallons of rainfall on the U.S. Experts say the floods are a once-in-a-thousand-year event. The storm cost $180 billion in damage, second most costly storm in American history. It affected 13 million people from Texas through Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Hurricane Harvey damaged 203,000 homes, of which 12,700 were destroyed. There were 738,000 people who registered for assistance with the Federal Emergency Management Agency. The agency has paid $378 million to them. Immediately after the storm, it delivered 80 tractor-trailer loads of emergency supplies, including cots, blankets, and meals. Federal forces rescued 10,000 people who were trapped in their homes or on flooded highways. A flotilla of private boats rescued an unknown number of additional victims. The Houston Police Department's dive team rescued 3,000 people in four days. Next, Hurricane Irma, the strongest Atlantic Basin hurricane ever recorded outside of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea. It lasted as a hurricane for 12 days, from August 31st until September 11th. The storm stretched 650 miles from east to west, affected at least nine U.S. states, turning streets into rivers, ripping down power lines, uprooting trees, and cutting off coastal communities. The hurricane hit southwest Florida on September 10th, battering the state's lower half and leaving a trail of tornadoes and storm surge flooding as its course slowly moved inland. The massive storm triggered evacuation orders 
for 5.6 million people before it made two landfalls with historic sustained winds of at least 185 miles an hour. On September 20th, Hurricane Maria made landfall on the island of Puerto Rico. This caused a level of widespread destruction and disorganization paralleled by few storms in American history. Almost two weeks after the storm abated, most of the island's residents still lacked access to electricity and clean water. From a meteorological standpoint, Maria was nearly a worst-case scenario for the territory. The center of a huge, nearly Category 5 hurricane made a direct hit on Puerto Rico, lashing the island with wind and rain for longer than 30 hours. 547 people were killed, 499 on the island. Much of the housing stock and infrastructure were left beyond repair. While the island's lush vegetation had been practically eradicated, Puerto Rico suffered catastrophic damage, including destruction of its previously damaged electrical grid. For weeks in Maria's wake, most of the island's population suffered from flooding and a lack of resources, compounded by the slow relief process. Total losses from the hurricane vary wildly, but are estimated at upwards of $99.45 billion. On October 1, 2017, the memory that this country has of a crazed gunman opening fire in a Las Vegas casino and concert hall, killing at least 58 people in the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. On October 5th, the New York Times publishes a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against Harvey Weinstein. Actresses Rose McGowan and Ashley Judd are among the women who come forward. Since this time, a list of 84 female accusers have come forward with similar details of rape and sexual aggression. Following this, the dominoes of sexual deviance in deep, dark, secret places were exposed throughout Hollywood, the U.S. Congress, and our American media at an alarming speed. Many of the so-called elite power brokers that are so instrumental in shaping America's culture wars have been exposed as insidious, threatening perverts and pedophiles. Perhaps even more disturbing is so many leaders in these industries began masquerading a newfound conscience once this information was exposed to the public. All this after intentionally turning a blind eye for so many years to the victims by choosing fame and power over the guidance of a natural, innate moral compass. From October 8th to the 20th, massive wildfires began devastating Northern California. More than 160,000 acres, or 250 square miles, have burned in Sonoma, Napa, and Solano counties just north of San Francisco. Another 36,000 acres have been burned farther north in Mendocino County. Some 8,400 structures have been destroyed, according to CAL FIRE, the state's wildfire fighting agency. Eight insurers reported to the California Insurance Commissioner that more than 5,500 homes were completely destroyed, with an additional 4,000 partially burned. Santa Rosa alone lost 3,000 homes to the fast-spreading Tubbs Fire, a fact worsened by the Bay Area's already dire housing crisis. Forty-two people died across Northern California, 
including 23 in Sonoma County alone. Altogether, the Northern California fires are the deadliest in the state's history. At the fire's peak, 11,000 firefighters fought the fires across the state, including 3,800 inmate volunteers from the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Firefighters would work anywhere from 24 to 80 straight hours, dousing fires and chopping down trees and brush to prevent their spread. And this is only the first two months. I would be remiss if I discounted the wonderful events that occurred in the midst of the aforementioned tragedies. During these times, our nation witnessed an undeniable outpouring of love, compassion, courage, selfless acts of bravery and leadership. Charitable offerings flowed from both within and outside of the U.S. People of all ages used their professional training and education to assist with everything from construction, medical assistance, travel, accounting, and legal acumen. Social media brought massive awareness to the need for emergency responders, while children advanced their causes with entrepreneurial outreaches of lemonade stands, homemade baked goods sales, and GoFundMe pages. People have all kinds of theories as to what is happening, but the answer may be quite simple. Suppose these events are not random. What if the God of the Bible is trying to get America's attention, that we might turn to him for help and for mercy? Before rolling your eyes and discounting this possibility, allow me to show you what science is stating is coming our way. In roughly six years from now, there will be a second solar eclipse that crosses the United States on April 8, 2024. Coincidentally, this just happens to be the first of Nisan, year 5884. This religious new year is yet another feast of the Lord. Just another coincidence? If you look at the pattern of where this past eclipse crossed and where the second one is coming, it joins to form a cross-like image, or if you prefer, a bullseye pattern right over the, the New Madrid earthquake seismic zone. This geographical area of the U.S. is sometimes called the New Madrid Fault Line. This is a major seismic zone and a prolific source of intraplate earthquakes in the southern and midwestern United States. The New Madrid system was responsible for the 1811 to 1812 New Madrid earthquakes and has the potential to produce large earthquakes in the future. Earthquakes that, that occur in the New Madrid seismic zone potentially threaten parts of eight states, including Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Mississippi. Looking even more closely at this bullseye, we see several states with a boundary that has been defined by two rivers crossing, the Mississippi and the Ohio rivers. This directly travels over the seismic zone and right over where the rivers meet. Now follow me here just for a moment. The rivers divide the land into three sections at this part. The Ohio and the Mississippi rivers join at exactly where the paths of totality cross each other. Looking to scripture as a possible reference, Isaiah 18:7 states, in that time, referring to the end times, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin 
whose land the rivers divide. There is a lot one can gleam here, and I certainly do not know if a portion of the end times is potentially referring to this coming eclipse. But this much I do know. If there is an earthquake or earthquakes over this extremely volatile New Madrid seismic zone, which crosses the Ohio and the Mississippi rivers, the conceivable damage can easily surpass the most cataclysmic events in world history. And at the same time, there is certainly the possibility that nothing may occur. I am simply an observer that is beginning to see potential patterns forming. But just one more time, let's look at some additional portions of Scripture that may relate to this topic. The Lord said through the ancient Hebrew prophet Haggai that he would shake the nations in the last days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. Haggai 2, 6, 7, 21, and 22. In the New Testament, the book of Hebrews seems to concur with Haggai's writing. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those who did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, much less will he escape to turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice who shook the earth then, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. Now he has promised, saying, These prophetic words appear to be quite direct. The Lord will shake individuals and nations in order to sway us to re-examine our failed priorities. No area of our lives can bring us lasting peace no matter how intellectually stimulating and enlightening we think we are. Man tends to think short-term to the here and now, or perhaps five to ten years out. However, Jesus sees our faults, understanding we may not be contemplating the long game of eternal hope. Nothing we do without him can possibly provide security for our souls through the forgiveness of our sins. The God of the Bible wants to shake us loose of such things, in order that we might turn to him and to the life he offers through faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord isn't letting America and other nations be shaken because he hates us. He is shaking us precisely because he loves us, and he wants us to repent and to turn to him and to call out to him as individuals, as families, as leaders, and yes, as entire nations. This may be a Second Chronicles 7.14 moment for the church, for America, for Israel, and for all nations. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. As always, just my opinion. I will be back soon. I am Mark Russick, and this is Russick Outlook.